Welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast. It's your weekly drop back into Whatcom County prep football on the Doug Lang Network at onthedln.com. Now let's hit the huddle with your hosts, Doug Lang, Jeff Bearden, and Tyler Anderson. Welcome to it. It is episode 11 of the Cover 3 podcast right here on the Doug Lang Network. It's online at onthedln.com. Also available to you on iTunes as well as Stitcher Radio and via the free TuneIn Radio app. So glad to have you listening along. Doug Lang with you, along with Jeff Bearden and Tyler Anderson from WatcomPreps.com. And lo and behold, the state playoffs are upon us. Felt at some points like it would never get here a handful of weeks ago, but it is indeed upon us here. And we've got plenty of Whatcom County teams playing in the state playoffs. Still a Whatcom County team that's got to qualify for the state playoffs with a final quad district matchup. We'll get to all of those games. We'll also tell you about a off-season change in case there's anybody out there looking to coach a little high school football in the next season. Also, our three questions as we dig deep into the Cover 3 crew. Let's get things underway. Time for our opening kickoff here for week number 11. Time for the Cover 3 podcast opening kickoff. We start things off by what we saw last week in a rather... uh, impressive week uh no doubt about it for the whatcom county teams where almost every game they were involved in in the victories were running clock victories that's how dominant they were uh only lost two teams over the past district weekend moving on but a couple of games really stood out and and one of the first ones that we have to talk about was one that uh, we all had down in everett uh see home a winner over archbishop murphy 37 to 9 uh, number ninth ranked team in the 2A ranks are the Wildcats, uh, and this one wasn't close. It was a 7-0 lead for Archbishop Murphy. Seaholm rips off 37 straight points, the final two points on an intentional safety by Seaholm in the end. A rather unbelievable turnaround for the Seaholm program. 0-10 as recently as 2016. It, it, we, we keep talking about Seaholm, and it just keeps getting better and better each week. This turnaround has been unbelievable. Yeah, they've been awesome, and uh, they have so many athletes, and and there's just not a weak spot on their team, and they all believe. They all believe that they can win now, and I, that's maybe that's been part of the problem b- before, and uh, and it's just it's just been awesome to see. They're they're just loaded everywhere, and they're kind of playing with that free house money, so right. to speak. You know, it's that they they have nothing to lose. You know, nobody expected this, so they're just going to keep on playing, and and sometimes a team. When, it, when a team plays like that, it's a huge advantage for them. Jeff, we got the feeling when we were down there, and we had plenty of time to kind of walk around and take in the scene down there at Terriana Stadium. Archbishop Murphy, they're two years removed from winning a state championship. They were in the semifinals last year. This is a program that's used to winning. There was a fan base there that was used to winning and expecting to win. It got real quiet and stayed real quiet for most of the night on the home side. Yeah, you know, we... 
we expected to, when we got down there, you know, the crowd would be all amped up, ready to go for, for Archbishop Murphy. And when they scored that first touchdown to go up 7 nothing, their fans, you know, and, uh-huh. and I think their team are like, oh, okay, here we go. We're going to just roll through these guys again. Seaholm would not go away. And they are by far the story of the year in Whatcom County football. I yep. mean, hands down, they have just – Coach Beeson, Kevin Beeson has done something amazing up on the hill there, and it's it's been a lot of fun to watch this year. Part of that uh, impressive performance for Seaholm and, and impressive performance through the tail end of this season has been the emergence of the sophomore quarterback, Jacob Kaepernick. After the game, Kaepernick did not sound surprised in what they were able to do to the Wildcats. Well, after the first possession, we knew we could move the ball, you know. We knew they weren't better than us, so we had no fear that we could push the ball all the way down the field and score. No fear. I, I mean, it showed throughout that contest in that they were, I, I, I don't think the right word is taking risks or gambling, but they they did not shy away from what they do against Archbishop Murphy, which was impressive to see. And then one of the things that I'll, I'll remember it forever was that post-game interview with Kevin Beeson where he said, you know what, what did you say to your team? And he said, I told him I loved him. And Tyler, you mentioned seeing goosebumps on, mm-hmm. on Kevin's arms. That was as genuine a celebration as you could possibly have for a coach and a team after such a quality win and such a turnaround for the season. He was just so happy and so joyful for for everything. Being a former Seahome coach, or I'm sorry, former Seahome player, yep. and 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 seeing kind of the lumps they had gone through and and seeing it all come full circle. And it's I, it was so weird because on the ride home, I remember thinking to myself. They should make a movie about this. I mean, it's just—I know it's ridiculous, and that I would be the only one seeing the movie. But, but it's—it's so—it's—it's just so cool to see how what they've done in the last two two years. It's—it's it's been awesome. So, what does Coach Beeson think about the Mariners' magical night in Everett? It's such a fun night to be a part of, Doug. I mean, uh, the kids—we uh, come in—we come in every week with a, with a game plan, and we—we—we uh, we, we limit our focus to uh, you know ourselves. And we, we, we tell ourselves from day one that, you know, we focus on our execution. We take care of our business, and we have a chance to take a new play. And to see the kids come out on Friday and execute the way they did and to uh, not uh, not fall victim to the, to the, to the moment, you know, uh, I'll tell you, it was, uh, it was just a really fun night, and uh, so I'm encouraged to see that in our players. Absolutely. And, and uh, you know, Jeff's right. Great storyline, one of the top storylines out of Whatcom County football this year. If there's one right there, it's also Lyndon Christian getting back to the state playoffs as they trounce Kings 42-14. LC returning to the state playoffs for the first time since Dan Kamick returned in his second stint as head coach. Am I correct, Tyler? 2007? Yep. I, I mean... This was a program that that uh, you know they had to change some stuff with his arrival back, and they've slowly built back up. And this team looks like what we were used to seeing forever throughout the '90s, you know, and early 2000s out of Coach Kamek. Yeah, you know, he would always emphasize line play, controlling the ball, awesome defense, and that's what this is. And it's and the size, you know, the Linden Christian size. They used to have the big, huge farm kids. I mean, that was the team that was scary to play for the 1A schools. Linden Christian had all the size, and it seemed like in the last. You know, five, ten years, they haven't really had that size for some reason. Right. And and maybe kids weren't turning out. I'm not sure. But 
boy, they have the size now, and they have the they have the stats to prove it too. So, what does the return to state mean to the leader of the Lynx? Well, I think it really struck me in exit interviews last year, Doug, with all the kids coming back that they couldn't. These kids could not remember a time where LC had been in a playoff, and I, you know, for me. You know, as you mentioned, I mean, we had that nice run earlier in my career, and, you know, I kind of, we kind of get to that point as a coaching staff, and we say, okay, here's where we are, but for our kids, it's brand new, and for them to kind of verbalize that and say they wanted to change things and then go out and do it, I would say I'm very proud of the kids. Um, It's exciting for them. Uh, The community has really kind of wrapped themselves around this group, and I think they're a fun group to be with, and but anytime you got to change, you know, culture, which is basically what we had to do, you got to credit the kids and and my coaching staff. I mean, they've done a great job, and uh, the, the reward is to be able to be in the first round of the playoffs. Forty-two, fourteen, LC over Kings, and then finally the game that wrapped up the weekend: Squalicum, a fifty-three, thirteen winner over Central Kitsap, a Storm squad back to state after a year away, and quite possibly the team that was the most under the radar all season long in Whatcom County. They have, they have the two losses, Marysville, Pilchuck, and two Snohomish, in, in some ways maybe second to only Linden, the most complete team that we've seen all season long, and yet nobody's talking about them. And and Coach Nick Lucy has been nothing but impressive since he has come on board there with Squalicum. Here he has them back. They do have a tough draw. We'll get into that later. But Squalicum... It's just kind of slowly said, eh, we don't care if you're paying attention to us. We don't care if you want to put us in the top 10 ranking. We're just on our way to get back to state. Yeah, you know, and I think it it shows, you know, how little people know about them by where they were seated going into this state tournament. Um, we all know how good they are. People in Whatcom County know how good they are. Uh, the state, they could find out if they can find a way to win this weekend. They're going to find out really quick what a great program Nick Lucy's got there at Squalicum. You could hear the emotion in the voice of senior quarterback Spencer Lloyd after they clinched their victory last Saturday, which punched their ticket to the state tournament. This means so much to me. We came la- we came out last year, and it was a little bit of a disappointment. But I know that all the upperclassmen and the underclassmen, we worked so hard this offseason to make it happen, and it just feels so good that it – is a reality now. It was, or it is a reality. There is no doubt about that as they win it 53-13 over Central Kitsap. All right, moving on. Uh, it's time for everybody's favorite irritating music. I don't even know if that's music. It's just irritating. That means it's time for stats. Tyler, what do you got for us? Well, I got a few things. I got some stats on the teams that were are done for the year. Okay. And so I want to give right. them a little bit of pub for what sure. they've done. A little bit of um, love. So Ferndale ends their season in a pretty strong way. They, all, of course, had to play Eastside Catholic. But how about Gator Fox and Brian Eby each ending with exactly 924 yards rushing to lead the team? By design, yeah. I'll bet. <laughs> exactly. Brian Eby averaged almost a yard more per carry, but Fox had more touchdowns. You take your pick who you like more. With Nooksack Valley, um, Austin O'Brien ended with over 1,900 passing yards and over 870 rushing yards. Only two other players in Whatcom County history have ever done that, and they both did it in the same year, 2009. Tyler Perry with Nooksack and Jordan Hastings at Linden. Not bad company to be with, that's for sure. Exactly. Uh, Bellingham had seven different players rush for at least 90 yards in a single game this year. Oh, I'm sorry, seven, 70 yards. Hmm. Seven different players, and I haven't I haven't had the time to research that. That might be an all-time high with so many different backs coming in. It just proves that that offensive line 
is a is really really strong. And Blaine William McKinney threw for 904 yards this year. That's the sophomore school record that was held by Nathan Cramey, who threw for 801 yards his sophomore year. There you go. Uh, for teams that are not in the state playoffs, but certainly uh, put up some exciting numbers and uh, had some exciting games this season as well. And finally, in our opening segment, uh, it's an off-season change. That's right. Uh, you mentioned Bellingham uh, not in the playoffs uh, this week as their final game, a loss to Seahome last week. Well, they have had some change. Uh, off-season news, Bellingham High School football coach Ted Flint resigned after five years of leading the Red Raiders. I got an opportunity to talk with Bellingham High School Athletic Director Chad Larson about the announcement, and it went like this. Well, first of all, we're, we're grateful and thankful for everything Ted has done for our program over the last five years. Uh, he brought stability, he brought organization, and he, he brought hope back um, through, um, you know, not only his efforts, but also uh, the coaches that he brought along. And, um, you know, we wish him well. Uh, we're going to miss him. And, you know, you never want to see someone go, who, especially someone who's turned things around and created a winning environment, a winning program, and, and kids were starting to buy in. So... Um, we're grateful for that, um, and we'll start the process to look for a new coach soon. We'll post statewide, and uh, we'll start looking at candidates, and we want to talk with people who have the expertise and the background and the ability to take things to the next level. Chad, to that end, how did you find out, and how did the players find out? What was the reasoning behind it? We have called out to Ted, but kind of a private individual. Not sure if we'll hear back from him, but I'm just curious what the reasoning was as for him to step aside. He felt that, uh, and he told the kids when um, he met with them last week, uh, that he felt like he had done everything he could do, uh, and he was he was good to his word. When we hired him five years ago, he, he laid it out and said, this is what I'm going to bring. This is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it. I've done it before, and, and I can do it here at Bellingham. He did just that. Um, he created a, a positive culture, a winning environment. Uh, kids were buying in. However, he felt like it was time to hand it off to someone else who could take it to the next level. He shared that with the kids. Uh, I won't get into the details of what he shared with the kids, but he was brutally honest. And um, and for that, I think everyone's grateful. The kids were very responsive um, to his announcement. Uh, they thanked him. They applauded him. Um, he's leaving in, while things are in, in good hands. Um, we've got some success here, and he just is hoping that somebody else can come along and take it to the next level. That is the voice of Chad Larson. He's the athletic director for Bellingham High School, and he'll be looking for a new football coach. Ted Flint has resigned after five years leading the Red Raiders program. So, Chad, what are you looking for in that next football coach, and what is the process that you guys will go through? Well, like I said, we, we'll get the, the word out uh, statewide and um, in the next couple of weeks as football season winds down. And then we'll start having off-season conversations with any and all qualified candidates. We will be looking for people who are dynamic and uh, obviously knowledgeable, have some background and experience, uh, and and willing to put kids first. Uh, and just like Coach Flint, you know, um, really, really make uh, the tough call and what's best for the kids, what's best for the program. And uh, for that, um, you know, we've we've got the blueprint. Uh, we know what that looks like. We, we've had that here at Bellingham now, and that, we want more of that. 
Chad, one final one. You also mentioned to me that uh, you've reached out to the players to kind of get some input from them because obviously the conduit with the players is the head coach. They're not there. You want to talk with them in moving forward and kind of setting this all up. Well, I met with the players immediately after he did, and we talked about ownership and buy-in, and this is their team, and this is their season. And, and for the juniors, the current juniors, their senior season starts right now. Uh, so we definitely want their input. We want their feedback. And so I asked the players to nominate uh, their fellow uh, their fellow players uh, for a leadership committee, just, just so that I can have regular off-season conversations with some of our students uh, and keep them up to date on where we are and what we're looking at and also get feedback from them uh, as we go through the process. Uh, the process can take several months, sometimes half a year. You just never know. You just don't know when the right person is going to emerge. Uh, but we don't. I don't want to keep the kids in the dark. Uh, nobody wants to do that. So definitely want to make sure that they are aware that uh, things are happening. That's my conversation with Bellingham Athletic Director Chad Larson from earlier this week. That is after Ted Flint resigns uh, as the head coach for Bellingham High School after leading Bellingham to a 5-4 and four record and a share of the Northwest Conference Lake Division Championship this past season. Flint finishes his tenure with a record of 27-24. and 24. And there you have it. It is the opening kickoff all said and done. Do up next, we'll look ahead to the playoff action of Week 11 as we preview the games and hear from the coaches when the Cover 3 podcast continues right here on the Doug Lang Network. The prep football season is underway, and we've got you covered on the Doug Lang Network. Listen to our game of the week as we follow the gridiron action in Whatcom County. It's Squalicum at Mountain View, Saturday, November 10th, with coverage beginning at 5.45 p.m. Listen live online at www.onthedln.com. Welcome back to it. It is the Cover 3 Podcast, Episode 11. Doug. Jeff and Tyler with you all right here online at onthedln.com. It is the Doug Lang Network, also available via iTunes as well as Stitcher Radio. And just download the free TuneIn Radio app, and you can listen to us right there as well. Uh, Our game this week, and we'll get to that in just a moment, uh, will be a bit of a road trip heading to Vancouver. Could they have figured out a farther distance for Squalicum to play? It will be the all-weather matchup, Squalicum Storm taking on the Mountain View Thunder. Uh, That game, Saturday, 5.45 with the pregame and a 6 o'clock kickoff. We'll get to that right around the corner, but there's plenty of other games to preview, and let's do it all right now here in week number 11. Let's start with the lone game involving a Whatcom County team on a Friday. That's right, just one game. It is Seahome with a 7-3 mark at number 3 Liberty, 8-2 out of the King Co. 7 o'clock Friday, 13th-seeded Mariners looking to pick up their sixth straight victory. In order to get it, they're going to have to get past the three-seed and the third-ranked team in the 2A ranks in the Patriots. Seahome, I think we all agree, playing their best football of the year, especially offensively, where they've averaged 40.2 points per game over their last five 
That's going to be hard to match versus Liberty's, Liberty, their defense giving up about 12.5 points per ball game. Something's got to give right here. And the other thing is, how do you match that same emotional level that you had against Archbishop Murphy? I know you're playing with house money right now, but it starts to get very real. Yeah, and I think that that last game being on the road probably helps them a little bit too. Uh, just kind of says it gives them the confidence that they can do it again on the road. Now they're traveling about twice as far, but or maybe three three times as far. But still, uh, you know, Liberty's Liberty's really really good. But they it it was a game against Cedro for them to get there. So they, there might be something going on there where they see some things on film and say, "Ooh, we could take advantage of that." See home coach Kevin Beeson. He gave us the scouting report on those Patriots. Uh, they're split back. Uh, they run a lot of jet. Uh, jet dive, jet counter. Uh, you know they that takes your shots down field as well. But they want to get you trying uh, to widen out your defense and hit you back in the middle with Wisconsin. So it's got to take some real disciplined football by our defense to be able to contain that all night. And then uh, defensively, they're a forty front, and they're they're going to keep everything in front of them. They're a kind of umbrella coverage. You know they're going to make you run it. They're going to make you to take those small gains. You know and try and execute. Uh, you know eight, nine, ten play drives. So. Uh, we will pray for that and then look forward to the challenge. Jeff, this is we've said this multiple weeks in a row because Seaholm has fallen victim to it multiple weeks in a row. You can't keep getting off to slow starts. That's what Seaholm has done, and it hasn't mattered. They've posted, well, two lopsided victories and one close victory despite falling behind in all three of their last games. Yeah, they're going to have to get out to a quick start, I think. Uh, you know, Liberty sounds just off what what coach Beeson is is talking about in the kind of offense they run sounds a lot like Lakewood with the jet sweeps and and spread you out and Mm -hmm. and so use their speed it's going to be key for Seaholm they're going to have to sustain some drives take time off the clock and and just execute like they have been I think they'll be all right be curious to see if they got enough speed to get past that defensive secondary speed on any of those jet sweeps to get around the corner. Good luck running on Seahome wide. Liberty held on to beat Cedro Willie 31-28 in the district's last week. They've only lost to 4A Issaquah, an undefeated second-ranked Bellevue out of the 3A. The winner moves on to the quarterfinals in a matchup against the winner of the Ellensburg-West Valley of Spokane game. Now, the other game here, not a state game. Crescent with a 7-2 and two mark out of the North Olympic League taking on Lummi Nation at Lummi High School, 5-3 and three on the year 1 o'clock on Saturday. That starts things on a busy, busy Saturday. That's the one Whatcom County team that still has to pick up another win to get into the state playoffs. The Blackhawks have to beat the Loggers in the 1B Quad District playoff matchup. Lummi's coming off of a bye. Crescent had to win a district opener last week. Coach Jim Sandusky says they focused their preparation on Crescent as he felt confident that would be who they would face. Why, do you ask? Well, let me tell you. Crescent played and beat Mary Kay Knight in the last two weeks by a combined score of 150-34. to Wow. That might have been a little bit dominant. How about the Loggers running back, Noah Leonard? 15 touchdowns in the wins, and he was named as the 1B Boys Athlete of the Week this week by the WIAA. Not a giant surprise that Lummy coach Jim Sandusky says they have to stop Crescent's ground game. That's their forte. That's what they do do well. Um, Noah's a good runner. Uh, he's he's he hasn't faced, I don't think, a, a faster defense as, as fast of a defense as what we have. 
Um, so I think we're going to be able to get to him before he can get his motor running. And at least that's the plan. And, uh, you know, as long as we can wrap up um, and, uh, you know, sustain tackles and, and do that, I think if they have to move to their passing game, um, that's something they do okay. Not great, but uh, uh, I, think we can, uh, I think we can hold them off on that end. So, yeah, stopping the run is real critical. Now, I know Lummi Nation's record isn't as good as Crescent, but, Jeff, I never go against Coach Sandusky this time of the year because he's like a mad scientist with all of the different plays. He's got eight guys out there, but it feels like 11 or sometimes 12 with what all they're running, and especially if you haven't played them during the regular season and you're seeing it for the first time. Yeah, if you've never played against Lummi during the season, you don't know what you're going to get. I mean, they... Coach Sandusky does a great job. I mean, some weeks he'll come out and it's nothing but run, run, run the football. The next week, he's throwing the ball all over the yard. Yep. And, you know, Crescent has no idea what they're going to face on on Saturday against Lummy. And, you know, if Lummy's had time to prepare for Crescent, that's and they just... Ha- and, they and, have, that, yeah. and they have. They've had the last two weeks to watch him. They're going to be in pretty good shape, I think, going into this game. The winner moves on to the 1B State playoffs. They'll learn their matchup after the 1B seating committee meets on Sunday. Back to state action. Also a 1 o'clock affair Saturday at Civic Stadium. Number 5 Cascade Christian 7-1 and one versus number 7 Linden Christian 8-2. and two. It's a matchup of the 6-seeded Lynx and the 11th-seeded Cougars kicking off the triple header at Civic Stadium. Cascade Christian out of the Nisqually League comes in averaging an eye-popping 550 yards and just under 41 points per ball game. They've won six straight, including a 40 to nothing shutout of Port Townsend last week in district play. We've talked about this many times, Tyler. We don't know about the strength of the other conferences in comparison to the Northwest Conference. We always feel good that the NWC is, is going to come out on top. That may very well be the case, but it's hard to not look at those numbers and be awfully impressed by the Cougars. Yeah, the, the Cascade Christian has had a great program the last 10 or 12 years, it seems like. They always have you know a couple kids that are going to go play in college, and right now they have a quarterback that's been starting since he was a freshman. And I remember Coach Kaming telling me about him over a year ago, even yeah. saying... I thought that one of the parents was playing. He's so huge, you know. He's <laughs> and and he's just a junior now, and so um, it's it's you know it's so hard because they're going to put up points, but Elsie's so good at defending against against everything. Lyndon Christian advanced with a 42-14 district road win over Kings last week. Jackson Corkle, Levi Cortice, Cordice, and Easton Stremler combined for five rushing touchdowns in the win. Now we mentioned the offense of Cascade Christian. Elsie will try and answer the Cougars with the best scoring defense of any Whatcom County team. The Lynx gave up just 12.3 points per game and have pitched three shutouts in 10 games so far this season. The aforementioned head coach Dan Kamick, he says the focus has to be on the big-armed quarterback, Parker Johnson. Their quarterback is a next-level kid. I mean, he, you know, it's kind of, to us, it's like going up against Casey Bauman or Simon Burkett again. He's that kind of arm talent. Um, he's definitely going to go next level, and he's just a junior, you know, six three, about two twenty. Um, so he's got all all the numbers that you would love in a quarterback, and uh, he'll fit it into some windows that high school quarterbacks usually don't. And on the other end of it, he's got four capable receivers and a really nice back. So, you know, for us defensively, it's as hard a, it's as hard a game as we'll have played all year. 
If the Lynx can get their fourth win in a row, they'll move on to the quarterfinals against either the three-seed Hoquiam or the 14th seed in Stevenson. Staying at Civic Stadium, it is second-ranked Linden, 9-0 on the year, taking on Eatonville, 8-2 on the season. That one, 4 o'clock on Saturday. Lions looking to remain perfect on the year in a 3-versus-14-seed matchup with the second-place team out of the South Puget Sound League in the Cruisers. Linden showed no rust last week. They crushed Blaine 49-0 in the district playoffs after having a week off and not playing a league counter since October 12th. James Marsh pulled off the touchdown trifecta, passing for two, rushing for one, and catching a scoring strike as well. The game also remarked the return of senior lineman Cooper Brown, who hasn't played since week two. That O-line with Brown next to Jacob Kettles, a whole lot bigger for the playoffs. And that, the last game we had against Burlington involving Linden, they didn't have either one of them, and it was a bit of a struggle because of that. Now you just get this huge present to start off the state playoffs. You get these two earth movers right next to each other in that O-line. Yeah, and it, it shores up that that offensive and defensive front for, for Linden, having both of those guys in there. We noticed in the Burlington game, they were attacking that those spots where those two big guys were missing, and Burlington kept going there, going there, and Linden had some trouble filling those those two spots. Getting those two back is is monumental for Linden. It's going to give them a great push going forward. Eatonville rolled past Olympic 64-27 last week. They're led by do-everything running back Caden Jumper, and that gives Linden coach Blake Van Dalen a case of deja vu. Uh, for me personally, it's a little surreal. Uh, 1988, I was in front of between Eatonville. Uh, they had a kid named Brandon Jumper. He uh, set the state record, 5,900 yards rushing, and ended up going to Oregon. And I just remember rolling. I was one of the scout team running backs that had to wear a jersey that said jumper thumper, and we got abused that week. There was about five of us sophomores that rotated through, and it was the biggest beating I've ever taken in a football experience. And so when we watched the game, and our varsity held him to 18 yards rushing and ended their season, and ours got to go on, I remember being how proud I was that I was a part of that as a scout player. And so now, 30 years later, uh, their running back is a kid named Caden Jumper. He's a sophomore. He's the MVP of the league as a freshman. He's 6'3", 240 pounds. He is a load. And uh, everything starts and ends with him. And so that'll, that'll be our focus. Caden Jumper is the son of Braden Jumper and, you know, fabulous talent. You think back to that time, Tyler, and, and that was a, a, a defining victory for Linden in a year where they almost got all the way to or almost got the championship. Yeah, that was a huge game. I mean, Eatonville got past Meridian in the first round of the playoffs and Brandon Jumper ran for 300 yards and had another 60 or 70 yarder called back. And it was just amazing. I think that amazed everybody when Linden held him to just 18 yards right. and it really gave them that push and Linden got all the way to the state championship eventually losing to Ephrata that year ended up winning it the next year uh, and then uh, Edenville also played Linden in the 1985 playoffs they beat the Lions in the quarterfinals on the way to their first of two state championships uh, I don't want to put any pressure on but if you held the father to 18 let's hold the son to 17 yeah, okay there you go. I, I don't know. <laughs> what, the, what the heck no uh, the winner gets either Prosser or Tumwater next week in the quarterfinals moving on and moving on indeed as we will uh, hit the road mountaineers 
they got to travel. Mount Baker, 7-4 and four at Montesano, 8-2, 6 o'clock Saturday night. Mountaineers continue to be road warriors as they make the 195-mile road trip to Monty to battle the Bulldogs in the 8-9-seed matchup. That's after playing two games last week at Granite Falls and versus Cedar Park Christian at Juanita High School. Mount Baker won both games easily. How about outscoring your opponents 110-10? to 10. According to Coach uh, Lepper, he was uh, impressed with just everybody and their performance uh, over those last two games. He singled out Michael Kentner, scoring his third defensive touchdown of the year with a fumble recovery taken to the house in the win over Cedar Park Christian. And sometimes it's tough to be on the road, but there's also something about kind of it, it's it's us against the world. There's that road warrior mentality, and that's what they had to do. Much easier matchups against Granite Falls and Cedar Park Christian than what they have in Montesano coming up. Yeah, how about the 7-4 and four record? How about 6-0 and oh on the road this year so far? All of their losses have been at home. They've really bonded well. You know, a team can really bond well on the road, of course, Coach Beard knows all about that with his baseball days, but it's it's uh it's something that they just they have going right now, and it, you know it seems like they've played Montesano a lot in the playoffs in the past, and Montesano is always a really really strong opponent. Montesano finished second in the Evergreen Conference. Their only losses are to state ranked 2A Woodland and the third ranked team in the 1A in undefeated Hoquiam. Tegan Zillett, and I hope I'm pronouncing that correct, rushed for 136 yards and two touchdowns in the Bulldogs' 32-7 district playoff win over Columbia White Salmon. Mount Baker coach Ron Lepper says the Bulldogs have a familiar look about them. They want to run the ball, you know, just kind of like us. Uh, you know, they will, they're, they're kind of like Meridian in, in the standpoint they'll full throw a lot of formations at you, um, you know, do some shiftiness up to try to get you to look somewhere else, but when it comes down to it, they want to run the ball, but they will throw the ball, and, and they're good at you know catching you, uh, maybe peeking somewhere you shouldn't be peeking. And so we've really got to be disciplined with our keys and make sure that we're you know we're on top of things when we need to be, and, and then hopefully make plays when we get the opportunity to make those plays. And if we can do those things, then we'll give ourselves a chance. Last time these two teams met in the playoffs, Montesano beat Mount Baker 51-21 in the quarterfinals. Saturday's winner gets a date next week with either top-seeded Royal or the 16th seed in Riverside. Now, let's head back to Civic Stadium. It's number 8 Meridian with a 7-3 and three mark, taking on Elma 8-2, 7 o'clock Saturday night, another Northwest Conference Evergreen Conference matchup as the Trojans play host to the Eagles. Meridian rolled over South Whidbey 59-8 last week in district play. Dawson Logan recorded four TDs and accounted for 234 yards worth of offense. I don't think we have to worry about whether or not he can play with the wrist injury. I think you could take his leg off and he'd still be out there. Dawson Logan is a gamer. Yeah, he's definitely a gamer. I like to call that. He's game ready. He's GR out there. And he's he's showing that, you know, even with this injury that he can still go and he's tough to stop. You know, I'm sure, you know, Elma figured, oh, we're, we're the nine seed. We get an eight seed. I guarantee when they saw that the eight seed was Meridian, they were like, what? How is that? Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely going to be a good matchup. Uh, Trojans have won four of their last five with their only loss coming at the hands of Lynn and Christian, 21 to 12 in the regular season finale. Tyler, I, I mentioned it with Coach Sandusky that 
mad genius at work. I feel the same way about Meridian and Coach Ames and his staff. Let's also spread it out because his staff is very much involved in all of this. That they're unlike most 11-man team uh, that they can throw a completely different look at you from one week to the next and they quite often do that, so it wouldn't surprise us that whatever uh, Elma is looking at, they won't see it all come on Saturday. Oh, sure. I mean, we saw that game out at Deming, and they started. They, they came out with four receivers to one side, yep. and our receiver to the left, and Dawson's in the shotgun, and and they did the first drive that way, and they, they you know they got down to about the twenty. But there's so many different things that you know that they that they will do, and and uh, Patrick Ames, the offensive coordinator, he really sees all the angles and, and he sees everything and he and and he can see where things are going to happen before they're going to happen and uh they have so many of these weapons that they could use all over the place i mean cameron webster a big 6'2 200 pound tight end you usually don't see that with meridian he can, he's really athletic and they might split him out wide if they see some sort of mismatch and you're right mad scientist the whole the whole crew for sure Elma finished third in their conference uh behind the only two teams that beat them in hoquiam and montesano Tatum Brumfield rushed for 164 yards and three touchdowns in their 33-21 district playoff victory at LeCenter last week. It's pick your poison with the Eagles. Brumfield has run for over 1,300 yards and 22 touchdowns, while quarterback Cody Volan has combined for over 1,500 yards rushing and passing with 21 scores. So what does Meridian coach Bob Ames have to say about trying to stop this Elma defense? I think they're a run-first team, and... That doesn't mean they can't throw the ball, but the run sets up the pass. Um, the quarterback is is a track athlete. He's a, he's a, a, a good, tall, lanky kid. I think he ran the 400 meters like in 51 point something seconds. So we know that you know on, on the bootlegs and things and the rollouts that he's not afraid to take it and run, and he's very explosive. Very, very explosive. Uh, and, by the way, I did check those numbers. The coach is correct. Those numbers are accurate uh, on that uh, f- uh, that time for Volan, the quarterback. This is the first trip to the state playoffs for Elma since 2005. Meridian looking to make it back to the T-Dome in the 1A state title game after falling to Royal in the championship game last year. The winner of this one gets either Connell or Colville next week in the quarters. Meridian beat Colville earlier during the regular season, 27-14. And there you have it. That's right. That's six of our seven games involving Whatcom County teams in week number 11. Next, we'll preview our game of the week as Squalicum hits the road right here on the Cover 3 podcast on the Doug Lang Network. Hi, I'm Doug Lang. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Doug Lang Network. We're happy to present this audio stream and hope you enjoy it. If you're looking for great local sports content like scores, news stories, photos, interviews, blogs, videos, and more, then check us out online at www.onthedln.com. It's the online home of the Doug Lang Network, complete with social media links to Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Local voice, local teams, local roots. The Doug Lang Network, online at onthedln.com. Welcome back to it. You're listening to the Cover 3 Podcast. 
It's on the Doug Lang Network, online at onthedln.com. Doug Lang, along with Jeff Bearden and Tyler Anderson from whatcompreps.com, getting you ready for a busy, busy weekend of Whatcom County football action with a slew of state playoff games, a district playoff game still for Lummy Nation, and then, of course, the ever-popular game of the week on the Doug Lang Network. It's time to break it all down. Hey, that's the wrong thing. I said break it all down. The Doug Lang Network Game of the Week. It's Squalicum at Mountain View, Saturday, November 10th, with coverage beginning at 5.45 p.m. at onthedln.com. Breakdown. That's right. It is a major road trip, and uh, let me just get some of the uh, weather references. Storm, thunder, you know, raining cats and dogs. Yeah, it's good. Look, that's what's going to be here. Squalicum. Eight and two at number four Mountain View, ten and one on the year. Saturday night, six o'clock, all of it on the Doug Lang Network beginning at 5.45 p.m. with the pregame show. The Storm making that longest road trip out of any of the local schools this playoff weekend, squaring off with the Thunder at McKenzie Stadium in Vancouver. That's Vancouver Wa. Don't go the other way. You won't be happy. Squalicum. Coming off of a 53-13 thrashing of Central Kitsap and District Tournament play last Saturday, Storm racked up an eye-popping 572 yards on the ground, tallied seven rushing touchdowns in the win. Spencer Lloyd got in the end zone three times, Devontae Powell twice, and it was a trip each for Ben Schlenbaker and Stephen Owens. Uh, Tyler, this game... It started off much like the Seahome game. Central Kitsap got the lead. They scored the first touchdown. They led 13-7, 13-6, can't remember. And all of a sudden, Squalicum flipped a switch, and and they were a knife through butter in that nobody could stop that rushing attack. Yeah, especially in the second half. I mean, the first half, it was still kind of a little bit back and forth. They might have had a one or two touchdown lead at halftime. But that second half, I mean, it was... It was just put whoever in the backfield, and they'll just rattle off a big touchdown run. And 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 Squalicum looked great. Their offensive line looked amazing. Funny you should mention that. Squalicum coach Nick Lucy highlighted his O-line for such a dominating rushing performance. Our offensive line, Jackson Campbell, Dominic Mack, Jimmy Mina, Brandon Gimsey, and Ben Paz, and then Adam McCluskey, you know, along with Colin McEachern all block, and uh, have done an awesome job all game. I mean, we make no bones about it. We're coming out. You know, we might throw it six, we might throw it nine times, and, you know, we're willing to throw it more often than that. But, you know, we're perfectly content to come out and run behind those guys, you know, 45 times. So, you know, I mean, those guys have really been, you know, instrumental for us all year. Ah, Spencer ran it well, Devontae ran it well, and then two young kids benched on Baker and Stephen Owens finished it off. Jeff? We mentioned Ben Schlenbaker a couple of times here on the on the podcast over the last couple of weeks. Uh, he and Stephen Owens, they're the future of Squalicum football in, the, in that backfield. But boy, oh boy, pick your poison with any of those guys as well as Powell and Spencer Lloyd. My gosh, that's a lot for any type of defense to try and stop. Yeah, you know, Mountain View, you know, in any team for that matter, you know, when you're watching film, you're like, all right, which guy do we have to stop? You know, there's always you always hear coach speak. Oh, we got to stop this guy. Well, Squalicum's got four guys, five guys that can run the football, and you count McEachern in there yeah. downfield. It, there's more. They've got so many options that Mountain View's really going to have to. They can't focus on one guy. They're going to have to just play solid defense and and stay in their spots. 
That is absolutely the case. Squalicum, a 14 seed. So what were Coach Lucy's thoughts on the first year of the reseeding process and the stuck-in-limbo feeling of not knowing who they were going to face after winning last week? You know, it's kind of interesting getting done with the game on Saturday. And, you know, usually you've already got film on who your potential opponents are. And maybe you started to look at that. And we were, it's kind of weird to just sit back and wait and almost, you know, I mean, nice in some regards, but you're something is a bit. And, uh, so then uh, Sunday you're sitting there and I'm holding my twin daughters and I keep updating my phone, uh, you know, waiting to see when the uh, when the brackets are going to come out. And then, you know, like they came out and it kind of turns into, you know, a mad scramble to figure out time and what day and all that good stuff. But otherwise, you know, I mean, you get to this time of year and we play Saturday games, so... You know, having our schedule kick back one day is a pretty normal thing. Now, there is a familiar name and face associated with Mountain View out of the Greater St. Helens League. They're led by a head coach with Whatcom County Ties. Adam Matheson, head coach for Ferndale in 2003, a former athletic director at Meridian High School, also a player and later an assistant coach at Western Washington University. And he has done very well for himself in kind of moving up the ranks. I believe it's a 12th year at Mountain View, and he's really turned them into a perennial power. Yeah, they look fast, huge, everything. I mean, they're just, they're one of those teams that, uh, you know, the 3A is pretty loaded, top-heavy-wise, with Eastside Catholic, O'Day, those kind of teams. But Mountain View is kind of right there knocking on the door saying, we're we're kind of the next wave. Uh, Adam Matheson, you know, I, I remember interviewing him when he was a coach at Ferndale. I like him a lot. It's good to see him do really well for himself. Makes me feel really old when I was calling this game <laughs> when he was back at Western. Uh, the Thunder have won nine straight after losing their opener to undefeated and number one union out of the 4A ranks. They thrashed Ballard 49-6 to last week. Jack Mertens had 126 yards and three touchdowns, while quarterback Garrett Moen, 73 yards and a touchdown in the win. Coach Lucy says despite those rushing numbers, the Thunder bring a balanced attack to the game. All around a good team. They look fast. Uh, their, their skill players uh, do some really good things. You know, not unlike Central Kitsap and kind of getting to be a theme at this point of the year between, you know, Snohomish, Central Kitsap, these better teams you play. Boy, you better uh, have leverage on the ball, be square, track in your hip, uh, and, and try to keep it in front of you and minimize those big yards. They, they all run well, including their quarterback, and then uh, they throw it around well. So uh, they all challenge it by, by running fast. Squalicum is back in the state playoffs after missing out last year. They got knocked out by Bonnie Lake in the first round in 2016. Mountain View has been sent home by Peninsula in the round of 16 the last two seasons. The winner, they'll take on Rainier Beach or Lincoln in the quarterfinals. And there you have it. That's our game of the week, Squalicum versus Mountain View at McKenzie Stadium in Vancouver. It's a 6 p.m. kickoff on Saturday with our coverage beginning at 5.45 p.m. online at onthedln.com. Oh, we're not done yet. It's the segment that is continuing to go viral. Three questions to get you to know your Cover 3 broadcast crew and our picks coming up next on the Doug Lang Network. The prep football season is underway, and we've got you covered on the Doug Lang Network. Listen to our game of the week as we follow the gridiron action.
action in Whatcom County. It's Squalicum at Mountain View, Saturday, November 10th, with coverage beginning at 5.45 p.m. Listen live online at www.onthedln.com. Welcome back to it. One final time here for the Cover 3 Podcast, Episode 11. Doug, Jeff, and Tyler with you online at onthedln.com. Also available on Apple iTunes as well as Stitcher Radio and the TuneIn Radio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Let us know. We'll add it there as well. All right. It is time for three questions. This is what all the kids are talking about. Uh, try and find out a little bit more about the Cover 3 broadcast crew. I've got the questions and, of course, the correct answers. Uh, let's be clear. Tyler and Jeff have not seen these. <clears throat> you can only have one appetizer the rest of your life. What is it? And besides the fruit and veggie platter, what app do you avoid at all costs? All right. Ready? Jeff, you go first. One appetizer. I am going to go with mozzarella sticks. Mozzarella sticks. Yeah, a good one. A good, good one. They're yeah. a good standby. There you one go. One I avoid. Yeah. Oh, man. I would say... I don't know. I, there's a, you like them all. I, I do. I like them all. Yeah. Uh, maybe like a mushroom... like. Fried mushrooms or some deep fried mushrooms. Oh, no. oh man, I, I'm not a mushroom guy. Man, so I would, I'd I would knock you over in line to get well, to those deep fried well. mushrooms. Who I tell you, yeah. Tyler, what you got? Yeah, mozzarella sticks came to mind right away. Really? As well, yeah, I wow. love mozzarella sticks. Well, I hope you guys are not on the same deserted island. <laughs> yeah, that could make it very ugly. Yeah, I'll yeah. go and just get a plate of mozzarella the, sticks. The worst party ever. Tyler and Jeff are fighting in the back. Yeah. Okay, so mozzarella sticks. Yeah, for sure. And uh, the, the one, one you I, avoid. Yeah, that would be uh, onion rings. What? Yeah. What is wrong with both of you? Well, deep fried anything <laughs> is always good. Onion rings. See, I love onion rings. Oh, yeah. I think they're great. I yeah. can't stand onions. If oh, I can get no. onion rings and deep fried mushrooms, I don't need you guys or the party. <laughs> no. I'm just heading home. No, Forget yeah. it. You're good. Wow. Uh, the uh, If I could only have one appetizer the rest of my life, it would be barbecued pork with the insanely hot mustard and the red sauce that I quote Homer Simpson, looks like ketchup, but brother, that ain't ketchup. I don't know what it is, but I like it a whole lot. You know, I've wondered that. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. it is. It's really good, but it's, it's not, not ketchup. ketchup. No. I, no. And it's Obsessive. not barbecue sauce. No. It's nope. just... Don't ask questions. Nah, don't ask. Don't I find out. I don't want to know. There you go. Yeah. Uh, got some sesame seeds in there. It's perfect. I, As a, a young Doug, uh, who is not an adventurous eater when taken to for Chinese food, would get a, a bowl of white rice and an entire order of barbecued pork to himself. And, and strangely enough, no one heard from Doug the entire night. I was very, very happy. Uh, the one I stay away from, I'm totally forgetting what it's made from, the chickpea. What is the... What's the dip? The uh, uh, I can't. I can't. I can't think of it either. I can see it, and I agree with you. Oh, it is it, and people always yeah. have it. and It's supposed to be healthy for you, and it's yeah. Uh, yeah I don't know. It's a dip that uh, 
Darn it, I can't think of it. I keep wanting to say butternut. Anything butternut squash, I'm also staying away from. Uh, but uh, the chick- whatever the chickpea turns into with the dip with the crackers, it's just fart paste. I don't want it. I don't need it. Absolutely not. <laughs> we'll see our listeners can send us the name of it. Yeah, I, I can't think Someone of it now. I'm, I'm totally falling out of my head. Yeah. Uh, it'll come to me like three hours from now. Make sure to tune in for that. <laughs> you that, call that, us all back uh, to re- yeah. re-record I'll this. just do that portion of the podcast by myself. It, it'll be a short one. It'll be easy to download. Uh, all right, moving on. Uh, what tattoo do you already have or would you get now if you don't have one? Tyler. I do not have a tattoo. Yes. Uh, you do not put uh, a bumper sticker on a Ferrari. Wow. Thank you very much. Hello. That, that should be the tattoo right there. <laughs> yeah. Hello. Um... The the one I I'd thought about would be uh, hammers on my calves for some Ooh, reason. I thought that wow. would look kind of cool, and, wow. and I kind of have unusually large calves, so I thought that'd be kind of cool. I thought maybe drumsticks or something, but mm, no. no. Apparently, hammers on the calves, like yeah. all the kids are doing. That's right. It took over from sleeve. It used to be the yeah. the barbed wire sleeve. Yeah. No, no, no. Now it's some, hammers. Something original. Like there that. you go, yeah. Jeff. Something original. I like. I like it. Not not Yosemite Sam on your bicep. Mom. Yeah. Mom. yeah. There you go. Anchor on the forearm. There you go. I have two tattoos. You do? Uh, I do. Okay. Uh, one on each arm. One is a baseball yeah. with an eye. I had it done. It was supposed to be the baseball from uh, Major League. Oh, the, okay. The cartoon yeah. with, the, with, the yeah. with the eye and the flames coming out. But I you went, were doing some time in juvie, and uh, the guy that was doing it just wasn't very good, was uh, he? The guy who yeah. did it, I had it done in New York, and the guy completely butchered it. Uh-oh. Um, so, you know, that Does it one, just look like a kickball now? Yeah, it looks bad. <laughs> it's just not very good. And then the other one I have uh, is a... Uh, like a sun, like a sun god, a Mexican sun god nice. type thing. On lower back, lower back no, for no, you after a like, night of drinking. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Jeff's it's, tramp stamp, everybody. Yeah. Um, so I got those two. If I had to get one, I would probably get my son's face. Oh wow! Or his name, or something like that. Do you know how so. much Brady would enjoy that? It depend- he would enjoy. It you would too have to be much. very careful because where you got that, because you know everywhere you'd go, he'd be like, "Daddy, Daddy, yeah. show, show him my face." Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. That could be that could be nothing but trouble. <laughs> I am a tattooless. Um, I, I've, I, there's been a couple of times where I've been intrigued and I've wanted to do it, but I just. I look at him and I think, no, I just I'm gonna be an old guy and I'm gonna have something that meant something at the time and it just, uh, you know, hey, you know, great, you know, whatever band, you know, Judas Priest, hey, <laughs> not so cool on, you know, on 75 year old Doug, I, I don't know. Um, if I had to get one, uh, I thought maybe one on my can that just said this end up, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, and then, kind of pressed, I, I've I've come up with one. I would get a tattoo. Of Hervé Villachez, who played Tattoo on Fantasy Island. Nice. I think that would be perfect. I'd say the plane, the plane, yeah. boss, just, the plane. Just, I would not even. I wouldn't put his name on there, so that if anybody saw it, you'd have to understand it. You'd have to get the joke. This is yeah. my tattoo. That's right. Perfect. <laughs> have you seen my tattoo? Yeah. Perfect. And finally, <clears throat> what is your favorite board game and your least favorite board game? Jeff, you have to play some board games. Oh. You, yeah, yeah. I don't, I, I, yeah. you know, but, you know, crapping on shoots and ladders right now with maybe your son listening won't be very cool. But no, 
What do you think? Uh, my favorite board game. It's a tie between either Monopoly or the Game of Life. Really? I don't know. Ever since I was a little kid, I loved playing those two games. Uh, are you good? Are you like a, are you a boardwalk guy? Like you're like no, boardwalk park you place? You know, my, my sister-in-law in Michigan, yeah. I refuse to play any games with her. She is so competitive that yeah. she'll, you know, so she's kind of ruined board games. D- does the game me, end in, in usual fashion yeah. of hotels and, and uh, cars and thimbles being yeah, just flipped less. across? the table that's yeah. it that's it i'm yeah. done I'm there going you go home. uh but no either monopoly or game of life okay my two favorite my least favorite uh, i'm gonna go clue clue I, sure i just yeah it's I, always colonel mustard it's it's it, fun for you yeah. know once or twice but right. after that it's right. pretty and somehow yeah. there's always a point too where you get two of the three right and then you're like wait how can that wait did somebody yeah. screw with this? Yeah, somebody Colonel Mustard in the basement, you know, but but with a salamander. Wait a minute, that's not right. <laughs> yeah, something isn't good. Yeah, so I'll go with Clue as my least favorite. Tyler, what you got? Uh, I also have Clue as my least favorite. Really? Yeah. 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 Um, so we don't have to fight over that on the <laughs> deserted island. Man, it's just going to be mozzarella sticks and staying away from <laughs> Professor Plum for you guys, huh? Man, oh man. Exactly. Uh, my favorite is called The Farming Game. What? And it's uh, it's hard to find. I think they only made them in the state of Washington, but it's a okay. lot like Monopoly. Um, I love it. I love it so much. Like um, you, you get like property and start yeah. raising wheat? Yes. Yeah? yeah. Wow. You, yeah, you actually harvest <laughs> hay and corn and wheat. That and, sounds awful. And you buy Just cows awful. and uh, <laughs> it's awesome. And you go around the, the, like the year... Yeah. It's each each number there's 52 spaces and each one represents a week and it's it's great and you can get you get to the winner and you can't harvest so you got to save up your money and and, oh, uh, and you just you pull that chance card. You didn't look at the almanac. Your I, crops are lost <laughs> for the winter. Right. And I looked for it everywhere. I played at a friend's house growing up. Yeah. And I looked for it everywhere, and I found it at like some like the country store in Linden. Wow. And that you can't find it anywhere else. And wow. so it's a uh, I love playing that game. Huh. Well, so if anybody has an extra one out there and they want to send it to Tyler, I'm sure he would be happy to take it off. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, wow, I, I like that. Bank dividend in your favor, you get to buy a new tractor. Yeah, there yeah, you go. There is a yeah. thing where you buy a tractor. Yeah, yeah. nice. Uh, favorite board game, um, It is. It, it's Monopoly, but uh, there's a caveat. It's Bayern Munich. Monopoly. The entire thing is in German, so you're buying German properties, you have German little pieces, and I can't really read any of the cards, so we just have to look and see whether the guy is smiling or not as to whether we give out money or take away money. And and because we don't know, it's a lot looser. We, we don't really care. We tend to, tend to be very happy when we win, but we're not even sure if we won. I, I'm Man, good. I'm good with that. That's good. Uh, least favorite. Uh, there's a ton. I, I don't like any of those games where you got to pass something to the next guy and it's going to buzz if you don't say something and, and the timer ran out. But the worst, the absolute worst without it's not even close is Pictionary. Pictionary is awful. Whoa, it's yeah. horrible because you will you'll be just you'll be up there. You're just you're you're just doing you're Van Gogh. I mean, you're just going to town and you're like like uh, uh dog, uh dog cat, dog cat, cat dog, dog, dog. Is it a dog? dog? And then just over and over again just yelling it louder and, and so what do you do? You just draw arrows to the same crap that you've drew, you've drawn already that yeah. nobody could understand. 
and you get it wrong, and then then somebody else gets up there and they draw like three lines, and the person goes, "The Reformation!" Ding, ding, ding! And you're like, "Wait a minute! How can that be? No, <laughs> Maltese Falcon!" Right, exactly. <laughs> I've been in that. It's terrible. It's somebody crazy. draws a circle. Trickle down economics. Bing. Ah, oh, I. I just absolutely hate it. Absolutely hate it. So there you I, go. I'll go with it. Yeah. Yeah. That might be worse than Clue. So Very easily. So if you got barbecued pork, I'm coming to your party. But if we're playing Pictionary, I'm taking that pork and I'm leaving. That's all there is to it. Okay. It's just that simple. All righty. The Cover Three Podcast Two Minute Warning here on the Doug Lang Network. That means it's time for us to get on out of here. Episode eleven comes to an end. And it comes to an end with us picking the Wazoo and Seahawks games. The Dogs have a bye week. Wazoo at Colorado, twelve thirty. Can the Cougars keep it going? Uh, I think for another week. Yeah, they're going to keep it going. They'll knock off the Buffaloes in Colorado. I, you want them to because you want that Apple Cup to be uh, super special. I want to beat the Cougs so <laughs> bad in the Apple Cup. Tyler, what you think? Yeah, Cougars are going to win over the Buffaloes for sure. I, I think Wazoo wins this one. Colorado has been kind of a an, a, a team that, that gets talked about a lot but never wins big games. I think Wazoo is a team that travels under the radar and wins big games. Seahawks, Rams. Seahawks got their comeuppance last week when they finally had to play a good team. How about now when they take on an angry Rams team in L.A.? Yeah, the Rams coming off that loss to New Orleans last weekend. I do not want to be the Seahawks this week. It, it could get pretty ugly. I say the Rams win by a lot. Tyler? Yeah, I think the Rams are going to get them. Jack Youngblood and the boys, you know. Wow. <laughs> wow. They're going to play a little defense against the Seahawks. Wow. Vince Ferragamo quarterback yep. in the Rams Maybe. This week? Maybe Dieter Brock. I got Lawrence McCutcheon with three <laughs> touchdowns in the win for the Rams over the Seahawks. And that will do it for us. Thank you so much, as always, for listening in to the Cover 3 podcast. New ones drop every Thursday. Our game coming up on Saturday, Squalicum at Mountain View. It all begins at 545 with a 6 o'clock kickoff online at www.onthedln.com. We'll talk again soon. Thanks for listening to the Cover 3 Podcast. Download and listen each week on iTunes, TuneIn.com, Stitcher Radio, and online at OnTheDLN.com. Whatcom County Prep football fans, we've got you covered on the Doug Lang Network.